everyone. Are you thankful for the goodness of God? I often, I often take pause and I consider my life. I consider where I am, where I could be. Then I like to remind myself of where I'm going. And it's all because of the goodness of God in my life. I'm so honored to be here today with all of you. Privileged to be here with you along with my precious wife. It is always a privilege to be in the house of the Lord with you. I want to give honor to your pastor, to your first lady, to your pastoral team. Amen. Your, your pastor is truly my friend, and I, uh, I respect him as an elder in my life. He is a tremendous man of God, and you have, you have been blessed with great leadership here. Amen. Amen. We honor you. I think he's controlling the sound today, and so... I was expecting him to mute me when I started to talk about him, but I am so very grateful to be here. Um, I'm going to have you sit down for a moment. It is my custom that we stand for the reading of the word, um, but I'm going to have you be seated today for a reason, and I'll explain it here in just a second. But when we when we pulled up, uh, we left church, and there were people in the altar praying for the Holy Ghost, and I was just absolutely excited and I walked in here you know you never know what to expect I walked in here and I felt that same excitement and so I know that God is doing something in our midst today but when we when we pulled up thank you sir when we pulled up right out here uh pastor had said we have a spot saved for you to park in and I pulled up and I thought well I can't turn right that's a one-way street so I thought, well, I'll just go down a block. Went down the block, came back up, was going to make a right, and I thought, you know, there is an interesting detail on this street. I don't know if any of you have ever noticed it. It says it's a one-way on this corner pointing that way. But on the end of the street, right down on this block, there's a stop sign facing anybody that would be driving that way. And immediately the Lord spoke to me. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof is destruction. I don't know why that... Maybe it's there for a reason. I don't know. Maybe for them people going the wrong way, they still want to be safe, that they will stop. Or maybe it's a word from the Lord saying, hey, there is only one way to be saved. And you done passed it going the wrong way. You need to stop and turn around and go the right way. Well, I like preaching here. I, and I thank you. I, I preach better when you preach with me. My grandfather always said it was important if you wanted to have a good message, if you just preached with the preacher, it would be good. Because you would probably say something good. So... Preach with us this morning, but I am going to preach a message today um, that you're, right now, there's, like I said, there's a reason you're seated, but there's coming a moment, I think it'll be hard for you to stay in your seat. 
But I'm going to preach you a message out of a funeral book this morning. How many of you have ever heard of the book of Lamentations? Oh, well. It is a, it is a book that is set to funeral music. It's actually a pretty sad book. It talks about the, the judgment of God and the destruction that's coming. And so I just felt like we're going to start seated. But we're going to end this day standing on our feet, giving thanks and praise again to God like we have already begun to do. So Lamentations chapter 3, beginning in verse 21, it goes this way. This I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. Now you should, if I could give you homework, I would say you should go home today and you should read the first few chapters of the book of Lamentations and realize just how sad the state of affairs were at that time. But the prophet says, I, I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. How many of you would say this morning there is oftentimes not a whole lot of hope around us? But we can always find true and persevering hope in him. Verse 25, the Lord is good unto them that wait for him to the soul that seeketh him. What are you looking for today? It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. There have been plenty of times in my life where I found it would be a whole lot better. It seems like it would make a whole lot more sense for me to just lay down and wall and squall and throw a fit. But my Bible says there is a time where it's good for me to wait and do so quietly. We'll get to the reason why. Psalm chapter 43 and verse 5. The psalm writes and he says, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance. And my God. This morning, my title is very simple. It's one word, and it's hope. Hope. I need some hope today. Our world needs some hope. My family needs some hope. And so this morning, we're going to talk about that. Would you just pray with me one more time this morning? Heavenly Father, we love you. We're so thankful to you for your faithfulness in our lives. We're so thankful for your manifest presence in this house. Lord, we sense you and we thank you for being here. I pray that you would anoint my feeble lips, that you would use me as your oracle today, and that your word would come forth. Lord, that we would leave this place transformed, strengthened, and encouraged, knowing that the battle isn't ours, it's yours, and as a result, we have victory in this house today. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. The book of Lamentations is accepted, as I have mentioned before, to be a, 
a book of uh, somewhat lament, hence its name. And it's, it's understood to have been written by the prophet Jeremiah during and immediately after Jerusalem fell to the Babylonians. Jeremiah known as the weeping prophet. This book is written to five different funeral laments or mournful songs, if you will. So kind of like some country song, you know, like I'm, songs come to me, I'm sorry. The old gospel song that Hank Williams Sr. sang, there's a tear in my, well, you can finish the statement, but a sad song, sad state of affairs. That's what this book is written around. It's written from a place of great sorrow because of a current situation that was so grievous to the writer. Jeremiah had prophesied that this day would come, that Jerusalem would be destroyed, that the people would be found in exile. But to stand there and see it in reality was too much for him to bear. It was too great a heartache. But nevertheless, somewhere within this lamenting, within this sorrow, there is a hope that we can find. There is something that we can cling to, and it is the faithfulness of our God. It reminds me of another old song, this one probably more appropriate for the church, but it goes this way, great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, thy mercies I see. I'm thankful for the faithfulness of God. But if you were also to read Psalm chapter 42 and Psalm chapter 43, you would find that the text which we read in the beginning, it's listed three times. You would find the psalmist writing almost as though it were two people having a conversation together. It is during a very rough time in which David's enemy had been taunting him about his condition and challenging the existence of the very God that David said he served. And, and David is feeling weak. He's possibly even feeling defeated in the moment. And he's giving himself a pep talk of sorts in this moment. We find him, we find him talking to himself. Have you ever been around somebody who talks to themselves? Sometimes it's kind of awkward. Sometimes it makes us chuckle a little bit. It might be a little bit funny. But people, when they talk to themselves, they, they have a tendency to, to make us feel uncomfortable. But I would, I would encourage you this morning, I would ask that you hear this preacher, that you would understand that there are times when a little self-motivation is in order. When it would be important for you to talk to yourself about the good things in your life. It's good for us to talk to ourselves, to remind ourselves of the faithfulness of God, to remind us of His steadfast love, to remind us of His steadfast mercies, the, the fact that He's an ever-present help in a time of trouble, that He said He would never leave, nor would He ever forsake us, that there is nothing that is too hard, nothing that is too difficult, nothing too impossible with our God. It's good to have a conversation with ourselves every once in a while to remind us of who the God is that we serve. 
You see, he has, he has made us promises. He has made us promises as his children. Promises that I can be certain of. Promises that I can know, not that they might come to pass, but if he said it, it will come to pass in my life. The, the Lord speaking through the prophet Isaiah in chapter 55 and verse 11, he said, I have declared it with my mouth and my word will not return void unto me. That thing which I said would happen, it shall be performed. This morning, you need to realize that the promises of God, the promises that we find in his word that are directed to us as his people, we need to camp on that. We need to be excited about the fact that He has declared some things over our lives and they shall come to pass. You see, it's because of an understanding that we find the psalmist asking himself that question. Why? Why are you cast down? Why Why are you in such a bad way? Why, why are you so discouraged? Why are you feeling defeated? We. It's almost like he's asking himself, why when... You know who God is. When you know He's faithful, why, what is, what's the problem? But there are times in each and every one of our lives, I would dare say today, that there has been more month than there has been money. Maybe that's just me, but I've run into those times. I, I, I've run into times where the dream has seemed more like a nightmare that I could never escape. Friends and family have disappointed us in some way. Our, our health has been robbed and, and now we find ourselves weak. Our children, though we've done our best to lead, to shepherd, to guide, to instruct, they've walked away from God. Maybe, maybe we find ourselves in a place where where a spouse has failed us, someone that we counted on, someone that we thought it was for better, for worse, and they decided to walk away. And it's in these moments, these trials that we face, that the enemy of our soul would come to us and would begin to speak these words. You failed. You're a failure, and everyone around you knows you're a failure. Sometimes we come into the house of God. I'm sure it's not this, not this way here. Nobody probably ever feels this way here. But sometimes we come into the house of God and we think people are looking at us and judging us. And you know that they're talking about you and what a loser you are today. And, and they're talking about what they had for dinner yesterday. Oh, but that's the enemy. That's the enemy. He just starts picking away at everything. Enemy talking to us. Telling us what our current reality is. When the current reality begins to become simply our perspective. Because we've taken our eyes off of God and we've, we've lost our hope. This is where we find the psalmist. This is where we find David, the most prolific songwriter of the scriptures. We find him in this moment of, of struggle, in this moment of, 
disappointment, this moment of challenge, and we find him, this greatest psalmist of all scripture, wrote more psalms to the glory and the praise of God, talking about how amazing God is, and yet here we find him pouting, sucking his thumb, all the world is against me. But yet in the same breath, he's chiding or correcting himself that he knows that that's not true. That's perception, not reality. And I would say this morning that there are many times in our lives that we each face moments like that. Times where we would really just like to leave our pajamas on, crawl back in bed, pull the covers up over our head, and just have a nice cry for the morning. But just newsflash, that never helps nothing. By the way, that don't help nothing. That just actually makes it worse because then, then you either realize how comfortable the bed is or you fall asleep and you're pouting and you have wasted the entire day. But that's where we find David. And he begins to remind himself of God's faithfulness and the scripture says that he encourages himself. But when we find ourselves in such a place of, of discouragement, a place of disappointment where we cannot see the morning because the night is so dark, it seems like the morning will never come. When it seems like there's no hope and there's, there's absolutely no way out, we, we have to in these moments know something. We have to be assured of something, and that something is, is that my God is greater. That my God is greater than every situation. He's greater than all of my questions. He's greater than all of my fears. That there is no one like my God. That there's never been anyone like him before him. Nor will there be anyone like him after him. But he's God all by himself. And I am his child. There's nobody like my God. And when I know that, I find hope. When I know that, I find hope. You see, so what are we doing allowing ourselves to live in such a place, uh, a place of disappointment and, and despair, living beneath the promises of God for our lives, allowing our circumstances to dictate our response. You see... You see, joy is not an emotion. We, we've messed that up along the way. Happiness is an emotion. Joy is a revelation. You see, when I know whose I am, and I know what he's declared for my life, and I know what my destiny is, my circumstances cannot steal my joy. There's a little old song we used to sing in the old days. This world didn't give it to me, and this world can't take it away. This joy that I have, he gave it to me. So in the midst of our trials, in the midst of our tribulations, you realize that the Lord himself said to us that in this life, he said, oh, you know, don't be confused. 
<laughs> Just because you follow me, life ain't going to be easy. He said, in this life, you will have trials, you will have tribulations. So why is it that as the people of God, when trouble runs up in our life, the first thing we want to say is, God, I didn't think it was supposed to be this way. Or, or we decide to check out on our walk with God because if God really loved me, I wouldn't be struggling this way. Maybe the thing that we need to realize in this in those types of moments is that the fact that God loves us so much that he's getting the mess out of our life so that he can elevate us to the next place that he's declared for us. But instead, we withstand him and we say, take it away, take it away, take it away. You see, God gave us some tremendous promises in his word. And in the book of Romans 8, verse 28, this is a very familiar verse of scripture probably to many people. And oftentimes, I, I, th- I actually think we quote it out of context. I think we actually have an understanding of it improperly. So I'm going to read it for you today. It reads this way, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. And as we just stay there, and we just camp on that. And we say, oh, God's going to work all this out for my good. It don't matter what it is, it's going to be just fine. But ladies and gentlemen, we have to realize the rest of the verse. To them who are called according to his purpose. There are things that God is working out in our lives that they will only ever work out in our favor if we are living lives that are submitted to the King of Kings. And can I say this to us this morning? The good things in this life here that we experience is not the end game that God has for us. You realize that, right? So when when I would look at your life or you would look at my life and you would say, I wish I had, and I would look at you and I'd say, I wish I had, that's foolish. Because where I am right now is exactly where God wants me to be. Where I am right now is where God is working on me that I might be able to be where he's called me to be. And so I would rather be somewhere else, but yet at the same time I'm telling God I want to be in his will. You see, it just don't work out. So it's in these moments of great tests and in these moments of trial and tribulation and, and loss and lack, it's in these moments... We have to ask ourselves this question. Do we trust his ability to keep us, not just in this situation, but do we trust him and his ability to keep us in this path of preparation, in this path of destiny? Do we trust his ability to keep us? Because if we do, if we do, We'll navigate much quicker, more quickly. But if we don't, it's in these moments that fear begins to creep into our life. It's in these moments that we begin to, we begin to question where God is. We begin to wonder if he has forgotten about us. We begin to think that maybe he's mad at us about something. We, we begin to think that maybe he loves my neighbor more than he loves me. 
But it's in these moments that we have got to bring ourselves back to this place that we begin to talk to ourselves about God. I'm I'm reminded of another old song this morning, and and the, the song is Blessed Assurance. You know, there is this hope that comes from an understanding that Jesus is mine. When I realize that he is mine and I am his, ah, I can I can stand up under the weight of the trial that I'm facing. I, I'm not afraid of my enemy like I once was because I realize I'm God's redeemed. So when our hearts, when our hearts and our lives and, and our minds become encumbered with the stress and and the disappointments and the struggles and the, the frustrations of life. When we're filled with fear, we never respond correctly. When we allow our eyes to be on the issue but not on the Savior, we, we find ourselves in a really bad place. We find ourselves responding without faith when upset and discouraged. And, and we become in these moments of great grief where we think that all is against us. If you remember the story of, of Jacob, his sons, they're having great famine, and he sends his sons down to Egypt. You know the story, I hope. They sold their brother into slavery. They were mad because he, he had a vision. By the way, you could preach a message just on this man who has a vision, shares it with his brothers, and his brothers say, not on our watch. We're, yes, sir. We're going to make sure that that never comes to pass because we're jealous of you. But here he's down in Egypt and God has elevated him to a new position of authority for the saving of his family. You look at the life of Joseph and every time something bad happened in his life, right before it happened, it says, oh, and the Lord was with him. Maybe don't be with me so much, God. But it's part of the process to elevate for the saving of many. But they come home with grain the first time and they find that all the money is in their sacks of grain. And Jacob is out of his mind and he believes that everything is against him because he's lost sight of the perspective that he should have of God. That God is up to something. But in disappointment... We oftentimes forget this. What about, what about the old prophet Elijah? Running from Jezebel, right? Just has this absolutely amazing moment and, and shows that all the false prophets are truly that. And fire comes down. There's good things happening for the church. But she says, I'm going to kill you. Wait a second. God just brought fire down. We just wiped out all of your preachers and you're going to kill me. But he runs away and he's hiding in a cave and he's, he's pouting and the Lord comes to him and says, why are you here? Has God ever come to you and asked you, why are you here? 
So he's in the cave, and the Lord says, hey, come out here, and all this stuff happens, and, and Elijah makes this foolish statement. He said, it'd just be better for me if I was dead. Folks, I know that in a crowd this size, there have been people who have faced issues that you have thought, it'd just be better if I wasn't here. Nobody would miss me, be no big deal. Nobody loves me. I'm all by myself. That's where Elijah is. And God says, excuse me? I still got 7,000 other faithful that have never bowed the knee. And he calls him out of the cave and says, I got a job for you. Go do this job. If we can get the right perspective in the midst of our darkness and in the midst of our trial and in the midst of our storm, God will call us out, He'll elevate us, and He'll give us something new to do. But will we do it? I'll give you one last one here within this this line of thinking. The, The disciples are in a boat. And they're out on the sea, and the Bible says that this great storm arises. Now, there's another instance where the Lord comes walking on the water, right? We know that story. But in this story, Jesus is in the front of the boat, and he's sleeping. And there's a storm. And the Bible says that the disciples become very afraid, and they wrestle the Lord around, and they say, Do you not care? We're all going to die. Okay, I know we're having fun, but the Lord's in the boat. Do you really think the boat is going to sink? Do you really think you're going to die with the Lord in the boat? The Lord stands up, looks out, and he rebukes the winds and the waves, and it's immediately calm, and they all marvel. Ladies and gentlemen, if you are here today, and you have been born again of the water and the Spirit... Jesus is in the vessel. I don't care what the storm looks like in your life. You need to realize that hope resides in your vessel. And as a result of that, I will not die in my dilemma, but I will make it through and I will declare the faithfulness of God because I know in whom I have hope. I know in whom I have trusted today. We, we are too quick sometimes to ask God to remove things from our lives and to change situations in our lives. We, we go to the Lord and we say, God, I want to do this for you. I want to be this for you. Use me. I'm here. Whatever you need to do in my life, make it happen, God. And he says, that's fine. I'm going to turn the heat up in your life. I'm going to purify some of that foolishness out of your life. And then it would seem like we need something prescribed to us because then we go back to God and we say, God, remove us from this trial. And i got to think God's thinking sometimes, uh, excuse me, you were the same guy that just asked me to. But now we have to realize that if we allow God to order our steps, 
Those steps will take us through valleys. They will carry us to mountaintops. But through all of it, he remains faithful. He will not forsake us in the midst of our trial. But if we will call out to him, my Bible says that he's sure to answer and he's sure to deliver. If we will remember who we serve, our hearts should be filled with great hope. So it's in it's in these times of testing, it's in these times of trouble that we have to remind ourselves of the good things that God has done and the good things that God has declared. I, I would ask a very simple question for you this morning. You don't have to answer it out loud, but you should answer this question for yourself. Do you believe that every word in this book is true? Do you believe that it's for your life? Pastor, I just I just helped you out there. So that next hard message you needed to preach, they're ready for it because they believe it's for them. Praise God, glory, hallelujah. But if we believe this is true, and if we believe it's for our life, then in those dark times, in those hard moments of our lives, we need to go back to the word that redeemed us. We need to go back to the word that brought illumination into our lives. And we need to remind ourselves what he has said about us. And in doing so, our vision ought to get up off of our problems a little bit. And our vision ought to be able to start climbing up a little bit to where we begin to see what it is that he's promised for us down the road. And it's in that that we can build hope in our lives. It's in reminding ourselves of his power. It's in reminding ourselves of his provision, of his ability, of his faithfulness, of his love and his mercy for us that we find this life preserver, so to speak, of hope that will carry us through whatever life has thrown at us. Whenever we find ourselves seemingly sinking in a sea of despair, that hope becomes the thing that carries us through it. Uh, Parkway, the church that my wife and I are privileged to pastor, they, they laugh a little bit about me as pastor, probably for a number of reasons, but one of them is... Um, I'm the guy that is reminded of an old song all the time. And as I'm coming through this this morning, I'm reminded of another old song. And I don't know if you know this, but the, the words go this way. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore. You see, we have to remember where we were. Be, we don't go back to celebrate, oh man, there was a time I lived my life any way I wanted to. Bless God, you lived that life terribly and miserably. You were tore up, you, you were fraught with issues, but then Jesus came and threw out a lifeline. And so when we find ourselves getting into these places of deep, deep despair, we need to remind ourselves that if he was faithful to do it for me then, my Bible says he's a God that changeth not. That he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That means 
Just like he rescued me when I was sinking way back there. Whatever it is that I feel overwhelming me today, I can return it to him and he'll carry me through my today for he's faithful. And in that we find then hope. We must, we must in these moments of life continue to speak to ourselves to build our hope, to remind us of the hope that we have. I'm going to give you two more scriptures. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 18 and 19. And the writer says this, by, that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie. You need to remember that. When the enemy comes and says you failed and God don't love you no more and there's no way God could ever use you and, and he just messed up your plan and his plan and it ain't going to happen no more. You just need to remind the devil that he is the father of all lies and that the God that I serve, it's impossible for him to lie. And my Bible says that the thing that he began in me, that good work he began in me, he's faithful to complete that thing. I need to remind myself that I have hope, that he's faithful. So that by two immutable things in which that it is impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope that is set before us. Which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil. Ladies and gentlemen, I am thankful to understand that there was a day when there was something obstructing my passage to ever be able to walk into the presence of God. To walk into the Holy of Holies where the Shekinah of the Almighty would rest. I had no access. I was not allowed. But Jesus came. Jesus came and he died. He did. But he rose again. And when he finished his work, we understand that that veil, that thing that separated us from God had been rent in twain that I now might have free access to the Almighty. You and I, as the people of God, you and I, as the children of God, have been blessed to be called into relationship with God Almighty. As a result of that, as a result of that, we must lay hold on the hope that we have found. We can never forget what we have. We can never put it aside and say, I'll have that for Sunday, but for the rest of the week, I've got to deal with all this craziness in my life. No, that hope goes with me on Monday, and it's still with me on Wednesday, and it's the hope that will bring me back here together when we gather on a Sunday next week. I have hope. And we understand that because of the faithfulness of our God, because of the fact that he never gives up on us because he never quits on us. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for that. But because of this understanding that the God I serve is alive, I have hope. I have hope because it's found in a risen Savior who has offered to me life everlasting, life with him, not someday far away, but right now. And I would give this to you. 
my wife and I are privileged to have three children. And I remember teaching all three of my children how to ride a bike. And I promise you, so we have two boys. Our youngest is a girl. And and uh, I always probably a little more protective of our daughter Megan than I was the boys. Rub some dirt on it. Get up. You're fine, right? I mean, it's how it goes. But I remember when my boys started to learn how to ride a bike. And they fell over and fell on the ground. I can even go back further and I can say I remember when they were little tykes and they were learning how to walk. And we would get so excited when they would take one step, just one, and then they'd flop down on that diaper that Sister Brownie was saying you shouldn't be leaving in the nursery. (laughs) Praise God. Clean up after yourself. It is the will of God. But every time that child took a step and sat down or fell down, I didn't look at them and say, what's wrong with you? I disown you. You're not my child. If they took a half a step and wiped out, we were celebrating. Did you see? They just took their first step. Let me help you with how God sees you. He sees you just like that. It is his, de- his desire and his design that you not stay in your diaper and that you not stay only taking one step and falling down all the time. But he don't reject you when you do fall down. But the Bible says that he's faithful, that when we confess our sins, he's faithful to forgive us our sins. Can we then in that, when the enemy comes and says, you know, you're a failure, you know what? This is what I would tell you. I would, I would respond to the devil. As a spirit-filled believer, i got authority over that guy. I'm not going to fight him by myself. That's God's business. He's already taken care of that. But when the devil comes lying to me and telling me that I'm a failure, this is what I say. You know, you're absolutely right. I don't deserve God's goodness. I don't deserve God's grace. I don't deserve his favor. I don't deserve any. You are absolutely right. But you ain't never going to get it. And I still do. We have to remember what God has done. And it's in that realization of who I am in Christ that I find hope for my journey. I find hope for my journey. I'm going to ask you to stand with me this morning. I don't know what your traditions are here. Uh, We call to the altar. We'll make an altar call. Um, But I want to remind you that if I can feel disappointment and discouragement and tribulation and all the things that come with that, if I can feel that in my life, there is something that's opposite of And it is always available to me. And it is the presence of God. It is in these moments where I find myself struggling, where I find myself feeling defeated, where I find myself maybe not measuring up to people who are around me, that I just come back to. But for some reason, he went to the cross for me. We can't say things like, if if I was the only one, he still would have came. And then in our moments of our darkness, not believe that's still true. 
He loves you. And you have hope. And it's an enduring hope. It's a faithful hope that no matter what comes in your life, He's not going to forsake you. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to give you away. He's not done with you. And so my challenge for us today is this. Maybe today, before we leave, we begin afresh. And we spend some time with the Lord. And we remind ourselves of his goodness to us. That was a great song, Goodness of God. Uh, That song always kind of moves me for this reason. Because I realize I'm not worthy of his goodness. But yet he gave it to me. And so this morning that we would take the time... Maybe we would recommit ourselves to the Lord. God, I've allowed my life, my friends, my family, my situation, whatever the case might be, to come in between who I am and who you are. And I don't want that anymore. I want to be close to you. That we would push into God's presence. And if we would do that, we would find him standing, welcoming us into his presence. He loves you. And he desires to walk with you each and every day. I'm going to pray for you. And then this altar will be open. And uh, we would invite you to come and to pray. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we love you today. We're so thankful for your goodness to us. Lord, we never want to forget the tremendous price that you paid that we might find salvation and life everlasting. Lord, in the midst of my hard times, in the midst of my trials, and in the midst of my troubles, let me not become so focused on the trouble that I forget that I'm a child of the Deliverer. Lord, in my moments of lack and need, let me not forget that I serve the great provider. Lord, today I pray for your people, that you would bless them, that you would draw them nearer to yourself. We want to be people who are filled with hope for you, God, have given that to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you come? This altar is open. Would you take time and would you talk to the Lord this morning?